2: To get started, visit plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss.
1: The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal.
2: There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's.
1: Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary, cannot be combined with combo meal, single item at regular price. Samantha
3: 1975, the other night, trying to get into the seats uh, late to the show during, I think it was the third song, second song possibly. And I, it was you know, you're kind of trying to find your seat, and it's full of screaming people, and it's dark, and it's a big pop show. Yeah. So uh, we walk up to the row that we're going into, and I just go to the guy who gets up. I say, "Hey, man, sorry. I show him my ticket. I'm like, do you know what number your seat is? I want to make sure I'm in the right row. Yeah. And he just goes, "I'm with the
4: band, mate." <laughs> What has that like got to do with the seating arrangements whatsoever? Was, not what I asked you. Was he? Was it a very kind of obnoxious British accent? Kind of like I'm with the bum I don't know. It was I more know. like um, I I, yeah,
3: mate, I, I'm with I, I bands, feel like I feel I'm with like, the bands. I, No, I feel like he panicked basically. Oh, okay. And then I panicked, <laughs> and then I proceeded down the row, which of course was the entire length of the row. So there
4: you go. Were the seats decent? Yeah, they're good, yeah. Um, I was hearing mixed things because obviously they put on a spectacular production but it seemed across the board people were saying Matty seemed quite tired and like done with the touring cycle.
3: The only man more jaded than Matty Healy in the three shoes and I, Craig, was me.
4: Did you make eye contact at any point and just the two of you just kind of exchanged a nod and was like, we're, we're about in this together.
3: He's wearing an Oasis polo shirt looking like he was a fucking darts player, so. He looked wrecked. I was wrecked as well. Yeah. I feel like we're all going down the ship together. <laughs> and that's 1975. Hello, my name is Dave Hanratty and there will be No Encore. Welcome to episode 202 of the No Encore Music Podcast. We're back in the studio. I'm here with Craig Fitzpatrick. Hello, David. How's it going? It's
4: going okay. Yeah, it is very apocalyptic vibes. I think this year 2020 is not the party I thought it was going to be. New decade. New decade. New Craig. New problems. New globa- Old problems still new, around. New, uh,
3: <laughs> new global pandemic. Yeah, it's getting beyond a joke, isn't it? It's all over. Let's get to the news. Uh, we're recording this Thursday, and of course it's Choice Prize night. After we leave this podcast studio booth thing uh, and you know, expose yourself into the world, <laughs> we'll be going to Vicar Street to find out who won the Choice Music Prize. Uh, we'll do that usual thing that we do every year where we drop in who won, so yeah. that we're a bit current. I'm sorry, everyone knows. But first, real quick, who's winning it, Craig, this year, do you think?
4: I believe it will be our boy Dahi, taking it home from No Encore. He's going to Disney World. I would absolutely love it. I feel I feel like it's going to be Lancome. <laughs>
3: I think it'll be Lancome. Yeah. They seem like this most solid kind of all-round pick, I think. I think they
4: might be everyone's kind of favourite second choice, or the one that gets consensus in the room, which is all often so important,
3: maybe. They were also on the last episode of No Encore, which yeah, is coincidental, epic. I will say. That's you know, not <laughs> why we're giving them the rub here. Uh, did you know that on that episode of No Encore, episode 201, they called Ain't to. The political party Aintu. Yes. Leader, Paterto, Tobin a, quote, <laughs> fucking cockhead on the show.
4: Made me like them even
3: more. I uh, came out of the 1975 gig the other night and looked at my Twitter and I had a DM. <laughs> and the DM was from the official Aintu Twitter account.
4: Wow. Now you know you've made it. I know, right? Um... Yeah, did you follow up with the DM? No, just I let no. that kind of a hanging, insulting message lie. I let it um, sit, yeah. yeah. So
3: it's one of those, you know, do you want them to message you? They won't know you've seen their message unless you accept it. And I didn't accept it, but I can see it. And the message as follows at 22.53 on Tuesday evening from the official AIM2 Twitter account. It's an incredible, poor show to allow that level of personal abuse to go unanswered because someone has a different view to you or your guest. I can only assume that's a reference to the Lankham interview. I don't know for sure because it was a bit of a vague message. Yeah, uh, it, would... it could have been about something else. I've said, you know,
4: I don't know. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd say that's probably you're probably on the money there. Um, I was thinking maybe you'd said something on the last word, but then I'd, that didn't make sense to me. either. nothing makes sense really. At least of all social media, least of all the fucking um, you know dark social media that it is DMs, um, particularly from from the likes of those people speaking of dark social media, your sister, Martha, has just posted up
3: a uh, oh. image of you looking, uh, head in your hands, looking kind of sad in your front room, as I assume you're putting together this week's top five. This week on the show, our top five, uh, as I'm completely <laughs> derailing myself from the choice prize predictions, which we'll come back to, Yes, we we can will
4: be doing uh, top five most motivational songs. We could really favorite. do it. I yeah, think, for sure, absolutely. Um, yeah, these are the songs that make you feel like you're ten feet tall, that will work every time. It's good, because I currently feel six feet deep, so...
3: I, sorry, I should know, but I currently feel six feet deep, not because of uh, COVID-19, but because no, of uh, mental health problems. Emotional yeah, problems. Yeah. Um, yeah, work On top of everything. And, yeah.
4: it's, it's a of Nearly breaking
3: my ankle last week. It's all, it's been a, a fucking... How is
4: your ankle? Have you been icing horrendous. it? Have you been elevating it? No, no
3: not enough really. I, 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 yeah, um, there was there, there was calls for, for, for drinks last Friday night after um, many of my co-workers were suddenly made redundant. Yeah. And so we went out in the piss, as you do, and I was walking to my bus at the end of the evening and I fell over on my ankle and I twisted it, much like I did in Paris last year when I went to see Metallica, in both occasions I was quite drunk, but I also maintained that there was a slippery when wet drain cover involved and a man on a balcony across the road who shouted down and asked if I needed an ambulance. That's how bad it was. <laughs> Fuck me. It's not me. great. Yeah, I'm not... In a At gr- least yeah. you had a few drinks or
4: it would have really hurt, is
3: probably, what they always yeah. say. Trying it down the stairs the next day was no good. Um, but I've been, you know, but we've had the choice prize to think about all week, haven't we?
4: We have. Um, the kind of annual celebration of all things musical in Ireland. Industry pays up, I suppose, on top of everything else. Certainly is, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so... You know, best of luck to everyone involved. I feel
3: like Lancome would be a great winner. A lot of people are talking about Fontaine's DC, who we'll be talking about later on in the show. Obviously, would love if Dahi brought it home. I think he himself is just not. I'm not gonna say just happy to be there because it's I hate that fucking phrase, but I think he's very happy that he's part of this thing because you know it was a tough year, and I think like it's a solid ten. It's an interesting kind of list of of, of nominations, and he made a great record, and it's great that he gets to fucking get up on that stage and show everybody how great it's it is.
4: It's a terrific list. Someone in work said to me today that they think it might be the first time that the choice list is as strong and probably stronger than the Mercury list from last year. And I had a look and I'm like, Do you know, what's pretty, yeah, that might be a good shout. Obviously Fontaine's DC on both. Um, but across the board, obviously it was great stuff uh, across the water. I think Lancome and I'm going to pick Band as my dark horse. Girlband's album for me is the one that i probably come back to most. Um, but I can't see them winning it. There's just too much of an acquired taste, I think, for a lot of people that would be in that room. I'd love it if they won it. Well, let's find out who won it
3: with this weird splice of either from the award (laughs) show or the next morning, depending on whether or not I go. That's how sore my ankle actually is. Here's who won the choice prize. Uh, Yeah, the winner of the choice prize for Irish album of 2019 was Lancome and the Live Long Day. The first thing that you should do is go back to your No Encore podcast feed and listen to my interview with them because I fucking said they would win and they fucking won and it's unreal. I am standing here right now on the Digger Street balcony as they are throwing people out. If you hear noise, it's because there is noise. And I'm here with two of the judges who are on the panel. I've got Owen Murray. Hi. And I've got Claire Beck. What can you say about tonight, without spoilers, I suppose?
2: Um, No, it's not even a spoilers thing. Um, I I was personally very happy with the panel of judges. We had a really considered and detailed and respectful conversation about all of the albums that were in the shortlist. And I think that, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy with the decision that we came to.
0: Yeah, I mean, there were ten albums that were each... Worthy of really? discussing at length, and I think they were discussed like very fairly and very comprehensively. And I think the decision that was made was the right one. I really do. Was it stressful, or was it fun, or was it both? It was both.
2: both. <laughs> it was definitely both. Uh, oh, like so. My worst nightmare as a Choice Music Prize panel judge would have been to go into the room and have people been lackadaisical about the situation it's a big responsibility you know like this is a short list of all of the albums that were released in the last year and I think it's Really important to consider that responsibility, and I felt that everybody in the room was respectful and they'd done their homework and they'd spent a lot of time with the albums. and We had lengthy, lengthy discussions about all of the albums, and that's how we came to the decision that we came with.
3: This is not your first rodeo, Claire. How did it compare to previous efforts?
2: Um, so, uh, yeah, so the last one I was involved in, I think it was 2012, it was Del Rento's one. Um, so there was maybe... It, it, there was maybe... Yeah, well, maybe it was similar. It, it maybe was similar, yeah. Slightly different process because it was Tony, Clayton Lee before and it was Jim who enjoys poking people this year. But I think we uh, at both years, we kept we came to the right decision and I'm at, I, I was happy with both.
3: Oh, and Murray, lastly, when you walked in earlier on, you cut the figure of a man who had... A 12 Angry Men style intense deliberation like, like there was a life on the line how do you feel now versus then and also I guess it's probably a testament to how seriously you took this not that you would never have not done this but also probably a testament to how tricky a
0: year that it was in general uh, I just think I, you know, I walked into that room really excited to talk about Irish music in general and to talk about the status of Irish music not just on an Irish stage but on a global stage and it was so much fun to do that Uh, And to gradually whittle it down was incredibly challenging and really difficult and really anxiety-inducing. But I think, you know, it's testament to kind of the quality of Irish music overall, how tense it became, and and yeah, I'm delighted I'm really just generally delighted with. How okay, it. I'll let
3: you both go for a pint now Thank you so much uh, Congratulations to Lancome and the Live Long Day In my opinion, a worthy winner, a deserved winner Well done, congratulations everybody Thank you so much Alright, okay, so bonus content I'm here with the man of the hour <laughs> Dahi Hello It's so good to be back on No Encore again I gotta do it I gotta do the asshole music journalist thing Even to one of my best friends You didn't win
0: I didn't win No, 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 I didn't like, that,
3: doesn't, that doesn't matter That's just, It's just a headline
0: I'm an asshole journalist oh, To be honest I didn't expect to wait And to be honest like I, I mean I had called this And we had talked about this before I, I think I won the call Like I was like Lancome are going to win it Like It was going to be the one So I'm very very happy That uh, I my My uh, My Like Fucking Foresight has won out Like you know I was very really happy It's great that's the most important thing. I had to stop Sinead White doing like I'ma let you finish. She was like, I had to hold her back from the top of the stage, going like, All right, all right, I like about a good record, but you know, it was great. Oh, she's a loose cannon. She is a loose cannon. You never know what's going to happen with Sinead White. It might be time to, you know, make some changes in that band. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, you need a loose cannon in a band. This is a hell of a thing. I mean, like,
3: it, 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 you can hear in the background, like, it's a ridiculous night. It's a fucking ridiculous night. That's and great. you know, I said in the podcast earlier on, I, I, I was guilty of being like, He's just happy to be here. I said, like, No, I said, like, That's a dumb thing to say <laughs> you fucking like, like it doesn't like it's not about like Alex your drummer put it very very well earlier on when he was like it's not a competition everyone Help. here is here like for a reason yeah like who gives a fuck
0: most importantly we miss you on the show, brother. I know, I know. I've been really enjoying the new fucking episodes as well. It's been unreal. I, uh, I'm back to my painting. I painted another apartment there recently and uh, was l- listening to No Encore the whole way through. Uh, yeah, no, look, it, it was it was absolutely incredible. I was really, really happy to be playing. Uh, there was a really, really good reaction while I was playing as well, so that felt really, really good. Um, and to be honest, like when we were backstage... Um, I have to give a big massive shout out to Strange Brew because uh, myself and Junior Butter and all our crew were hanging out backstage and stuff and uh, it's really really special to think about Strange Brew being like a new record label who literally just started like last year and now have like two records on the Choice Music Prize list I mean like I don't think that's given enough kind of uh, a shout out so I'm I'm really really happy that it happened and uh, yeah it was great it
3: was really really good. So this is like the third time I've ever professionally interviewed you.
0: (laughs) The first time you took the piss out of me. The second time you took the piss out of me. The
3: second time I was on a, co- I was, I'll be honest, I was on a come down from MDMA, my friend.
0: Legend. And now
3: legend. we're at the Choice Prize together.
0: So I think, if nothing else, we've managed to like get through all these things together. These Absolutely. Members, so. I think I mean the last Choice Prize we had a very like drunken like, I was I was a journalist on that on the last like Choice Prize. It was great. It was very good. We were drunkenly tr- shouting into a speaker a bit like now. Uh, yeah. last year as well well I
3: guess lastly we should say you know
0: what do you, th- what do you think about it I think
3: props to fucking Lankham, who yeah. by the way can I just say like I you brought me around on them like you
0: were a I know, big. I know myself. Yeah, myself and Norma Howard, who's the no-, no-, no Popcorn host, we're talking about that recently. Where uh, uh, there was a while ago where you weren't too sure, and like you've really come around on it. Like I've, I've pushed you towards it. They are absolutely incredible. And, so you pushed.
3: Uh, so you know you didn't no you didn't just push me to, you pushed them towards the choice. Dahi Do- <laughs> just said the words that he just pushed Lankum towards the choice prize.
0: <laughs> oh my god! Collusion! <laughs> collusion! Collusion! It's uh yeah we're all we're all going to get the ten grand now. That's okay. Nice excited to see uh, how our uh, Sonic Arctic
3: Adam will turn this four minute interview into, yeah, into, look, into look. 35 seconds yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, of coherence. Can't
0: wait for this sweet isolation. Uh, love you brother, absolutely love you. Love brother. you, love you. You're the best. Big up to no encore. Bravo.
4: Congratulations to that act. Congratulations to all of us for making it through another week. Yeah. One man who's trying to make it through the week is Peter Andre. Um, This was the story that stood out for me in, you know, the long list of musicians trying to deal with the COVID-19 thing. Uh, Peter Andre had to come out on social media and deny that he was refusing to let fans touch him at a recent event over coronavirus fears. Um, He'd shared an article about a sign that had apparently been posted in a Southampton um, hall uh, for an evening with Peter Andre. Which suggests that he's in conversation as well Uh, I don't know But I'd say it's an absolute delight The poster read Due to recent cases of the coronavirus Please do not have any physical contact with Peter Andre Please do not take any selfies with Peter Andre Apologies for any inconvenience uh, Peter himself, a lovely chap, expressed his bewilderment Um, at these signs, tweeting, Okay, this must be a wind up because I hugged everyone I met. People were saying to me that they had been told not to touch me and that there were signs. I thought they were joking. Brilliant, he continued. I am now officially a diva without being a diva. On a serious note, though, don't touch me. So, yeah, covering his bases there. Um, Wolf Parade have cancelled the European tour, which I'm includes fucking the fucking raging. Yeah. Like this, yeah. Um, I would say it's the first of many, many cancellations. Definitely, yeah. I was talking to some people during
3: the week, some people who work for major labels, and basically like campaigns are all over the place now, because there's supposed to be all kinds of flyers. I was supposed to go over to London to interview Disclosure, that's off. Um, oh. I think if you work for a record company, I should look at the fucking James Bond movie. I mean, put back oh yeah,
4: pushed out, which suggests that the plot might um, include a, something, yeah. a virus being used as a weapon. It's yeah. either that
3: <laughs> and or cinemas are emptying at an alarming rate across mainland Europe. Mm. But also, yeah, it's been pushed back by 007 months, Craig. So there you go. <laughs> um, as regards, it's 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 hard to plan things. And I think this is tip of the iceberg, probably. Um, you talk about people who, you know, have to kind of issue some th- the occasional edict and explanation, Ronan Keating was among them. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh 22 hours before I interviewed him.
4: Uh, during the <laughs> How week. did that shot go, by the way? He's
3: a very nice man. Of course, yes. He yeah, he's a, he's a pro, you know. There was like a wacky... He's been bre- doing it for 20 years. 20 like years. years, is 20 that years a real 20 years of solo, <laughs> solo success. Keating. That's, yeah, like, that, he's got an album coming out called 2020, celebrating, quote, 20 years of solo success. Um, aka going solo 20 years ago when I interviewed him um, there was he did an interview before mine he was behind a curtain in this kind of uh, plush hotel and it must have been like a wacky Was this the
4: COVID-19 thing?
1: <laughs> <You> <laughs>
3: it just,
4: was yeah. <laughs> The curtain opens and he's in full surgical garb Yeah a man in a oh, hazmat David. suit came out oh, to me Oh David is that how he talks? He doesn't That's very odd. you sure not to know. You sound like Alan Partridge right Okay now, you know? uh,
3: I'm not going to do an impression of my good friend Ronan <laughs> Keating who quote compliment, he complimented me on my ink so there you go Oh, okay. Um, um, we were bonding before the camera went on. Does
4: he have any tattoos to speak of? He does, but he was wearing a shirt, so he got long sleeves. And obviously the surgical so. garb as well. Yeah, we? yeah, yeah <laughs> he didn't
3: give it away. Uh, turns out, we talked about, you know, like uh, I mentioned going to, my first ever gig was a Bon Jovi gig, and he said, yeah. I think I was there. And I was like, no way. And he goes, was that the one with the lightning? And I was like, oh my god. So I, Ronan Keating was in attendance at my first I feel like every Bon
4: jo- Jovi gig has lightning though,
3: right? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes Just it's stab stab in real. The dark. So basically, stab yeah. In the dark. He, uh, nice man is Ronan Keating. I, I, I'll I'll give him that but there was a wacky breakfast show in like i guess or something like because they, they were singing at him and doing some kind of you have to guess your song that's one. his bread and butter
4: i felt bad for him so but I that's, ke- his, that's been his life that's been his two decades of solo key singing yeah, i guess i kept it serious though we asked we, we talked about the economy
3: and you know what kind of impact we think the coronavirus will have because we didn't actually talk with that however he did go on instagram the day before and he put up he put up an amazing photograph of boats in singapore which if he took it like fucking hell fair play He said, I recently posted this photograph after being told by a local in Singapore that the reason that the boats were all parked up was due to the virus. I have been recently informed that this is not true and this is how the harbour always looks. I apologise if I offended anyone in my post. You all know I would never purposely do that. To all you haters out
4: there, get on with your short life. That was a weird way, like a tonal shift at the end there. Very contrite and then calling out the haters. And then he goes, (laughs) I went to Singapore
3: and did a gig when others were cancelling and I did the same in Jakarta. I feel very blessed to be able to do what
4: I do. Peace and love to you all and wash your hands. Oh my god! The smile on the face slips. Yeah, I w- <laughs> very good. I wonder what kind of venues he's doing in Singapore and Jakarta. Like, I wonder what his touring life is like in terms of crowds. In terms of, I imagine there's lots, lots of big hotel function rooms. Do you know what I mean? It I don't just know. seems very Keating-esque. Well, you know, enjoy your short life. Yeah, Um one thing he's not doing is fronting new um, campaigns for the uh, New York City Department of Environmental Protection, as I segue into a story about Billy Idol. Uh, Mayor de Blasio and New York City have uh, launched a new campaign to encourage drivers to stop idling, and they've gotten none other than Billy Idol himself to be its face. Copyrights itself, does not it really? As someone who works in advertising, Craig... Oh yeah, that's an instant score, right? Whoever, can you imagine the meeting room where like, they were like, do you know what? Get Billy on the phone. And they were like, Billy Ocean? And then they were like, no, Billy Idol. And they are like, yeah! That's a big score, I think. That's really good. Billy Idol never idles,
3: and neither should you, said, <laughs> said the, the press mayor release. of New York. <laughs> it chokes out air, hurts the environment and is bad for New York. We're sending a loud message with a rebel yell. Turn off your engines or pay up.
4: Sounds to me like Billy Idol is part of the problem here. sounds like he's sold out to the man. Oh yeah, he sold out years ago. But he did say he loves New York City and he's delighted to lend his sport. He's a New Yorker as well. And he says he's troubled um, when he sees cars and trucks sitting idle while polluting our neighbourhoods. Uh, Shut it off, New York, is Billy's message. Obviously recently in music news as well because that new Stroke song sounds very like um, a big Billy hit from back in the day. I think he got a songwriting credit on it, Bad Decisions. Um. So yeah, it's it's a new era. Dancing with myself is that him? Yeah, it is. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It a complete lift. Yeah. So it must be delivered because there's no fucking way. Yeah. Pretty so much. he's doing pretty well and teaming up with a politician.
4: Yeah, politicised Billy. Um. Also politicised public enemy, which is no surprise. Um. What is a surprise is that um. One of their members has come out initially. Um, against um, some campaigning they were doing. Flavor Flav has always been a bit of a rebel when it comes to the group. um, He was fired from the group during the week. Uh, They clashed over his criticism of uh, their support of US presidential hopeful Bernie Sanders. That hope seems to be fading uh, with every passing day, um, as is the mood at the moment, um, the latest on that is that he wishes Bernie Sanders well. Um, but he presented a cease and desist letter to the Vermont senator ahead of a rally in LA, uh, which featured a performance from Public Enemy Radio, which I think essentially amounts to Chuck D at this point. I mean, Terminator X is long gone. I think, like, his, what was it, the Protection Agency of the First World or whatever, <laughs> all those guys in suits, I think that's been whittled down to about two people. <laughs> like, there's been cuts across the board.
3: The argument has been made, yeah, it's like a regular workplace cull. The argument uh, has
4: been made that, like, um, Chuck T can do this himself. Yeah, and, and I and think... I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at a certain point in time, you did need the Flavor flavor counterbalance. I think, you know, it helped their artistry quite a bit. But in terms of the political heft of um, <laughs> public I don't think Flavor Flav was, yeah. Keeping I, up his I just f- found sure.
3: this story really sad. I just thought it was sad to see these guys fighting amongst each other on Twitter uh, about Bernie Sanders and, I don't know, I kind of expected better. I, I thought Chuck D kind of embarrassed himself a bit with Profits By calling him out? Mm, yeah. Oh, he embarrassed him a bit by calling him out, especially when he, he was like, this guy needs to be in rehab. I was like, that's kind of yeah, gross. Yeah, yeah, keep it
4: in, in band. You will yeah. recall
3: that Chuck D was present in the hot press... Uh, live tent thing that we used to have a picnic doing a public interview and Kate Tempest rapped at him before she (laughs) broke out and we were like this is the greatest thing we've ever seen and then we watched it No, no, it wasn't Kate Tempest It was Kate Tempest No, In the crowd a fan got on the mic and it was Kate Tempest and she did a big rap at Chuck D in Strad Valley in like 20-fucking-12 or whatever year it was We were there and we were just like Astonishing, astounding, it cute, and astounding. it was good. Yeah, I fucking told you it was. But then it we was we,
4: good. It was good for about three minutes, but then and no, 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 it, it kept going. It went for a
3: very long time. But then I remember when we watched it back the next day because we're in the tent, like you know, fucking canned up to the max here, and like and music fest. The next day, like, I think in the office we looked at the video and we were like, "Yeah, it's not so magical after all." Um, he's very compelling, and he is very compelling. But he, he says a he says scrutes. he says a lot, and he almost you know he can't contradicts himself here and there. You it know. comes with the territory. If I you're going to be like Kanye and Jay-Z and he's like, oh, it's just fucking, you know, gun bitches and blingers and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, no, nah, there's like a bit more to it. Like, I like him. I think Public Enemy has have some
4: amazing songs. But are they a bit naff? Uh Yeah, at this point. But I think that's, I mean, most hip-hop artists that have been around as long as they have have kind of fallen out of um, trends and favour slightly. I just think because the genre has... was well, it's, it's so new relative to other um, musical genres and it's been so fast-moving that... Just people that were at their peak kind of late 80s seem as if they were, you know, decades upon decades upon decades ago uh, at this point. But um righteous dude. I have a lot of time for him. He's great. Flavor Flav. I'm glad actually in that Guardian article that we were just looking at earlier, Flavor Flav has come out and he's wished Bernie Sanders well. And he says that he doesn't actually, he, no, he's not anti-Sanders. He's not a Donald Trump supporter, which is good. Do you want to do your really
3: obvious, we're stuck for a Radio Nova story back in the Hot Press era story that you've picked this week?
4: <laughs> Newly Discovered deep sea creature named after Metallica. Tell us about it, Craig. Metallica have inspired the naming of a newly discovered deep sea crustacean as the band has announced on social media. Where did I lift that story? That's a really (laughs) poorly constructed sentence. As the band has announced on social media. (laughs) <laughs> oh, you know, I didn't read this through properly and now I have to try and pronounce the name of the thing. Macro Stylus metallicola you did it is a well, tiny yeah. worm-like creature that grows up to 6.5 millimetres long and inhabits the Clarion-Clipperton zone, a submarine region between Hawaii and Mexico, at depths where the pressure is equivalent to 400 times that of the atmosphere.
3: <laughs> so they posted a really horrendous thing on their Instagram that was clearly written by an intern. And it goes as follows. The thing that should not be has a few things in common with us. The worm-like creature dwells in complete darkness, has no eyes, and is colorless. What? (laughs) Talk about blackened. It also lives amongst metallic nodules containing cobalt, copper, manganese, nickel, and rare earth elements. So it basically lives in a rock stadium? No, that's one metal crustacean. (laughs) Fucking horrendous. Metallica also started a vinyl club for their fans. Like, It's kind of like if you sign up to this thing, you can get rarities and blah, 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 blah and live things in the form of vinyl. Maybe they'll have a better delivery service than Frank Ocean. I don't know. It remains to be seen.
4: Sure, yeah. So hang on. Um, we're Still
3: mentioned waiting. Mentioned- still waiting for Adam and Jay Paul. Yeah, okay. Let us know. You mentioned earlier on the Choice Music Prize. Yes. Um, you know, everyone's saying Fontaine's going to win and maybe they did. Jump back 10 minutes in the show to find out who won. Um, there was an article written in some kind of zine, I guess, that was doing the rounds last weekend.
4: Yeah, and let me just check what the name of the zine is and give full attribution. Um, it is quite a lengthy article. goes into a huge amount of depth. Um, it was posted subsequently to Neo Cities website. It was written by uh, Gary only. um The headline being, Is it too real for you, Fontaines DC, as an Irish neoliberal psyop? Um, and, like, I, th- I just spotted it on social media... Um, initially the comment, yeah, it was brain drain zine, which is a real thing. It's from Brass Neck Press, um, which I think is quite socialist and just, um, I don't know, re- Republican, I guess? I might be doing them the service. I'm not sure. I haven't looked totally into brass year. It, in it read very studenty to me. Um, it reads very studenty. It takes a lot of leaps. Um, people on social media were ridiculing it, as I think quite rightly it should. And then people were just like, because I think of the climate, everything is a conspiracy now. People were like, oh yeah, are Fontaine's DC a tool being used by, you know, greedy developers in Dublin to like... um basically control the narrative of the gentrification of the city. You mentioned <laughs> recently, uh, uh, you ma- we mentioned like hanging out in the Garage Bar before, yeah.
3: which I, I often refer to as a Fontaine's affiliated bar. Oh,
4: hugely, yeah. Garage
3: Bar is gone now. Uh, we also like to have a drink in the Bison Bar. And I should note that we're not sponsored by any of these bars, nor are we sponsored by Press Up, which is the name of the uh, developer that you mentioned there, which some people have accused of gentrifying Dublin by putting in all these, quote, you know, inauthentic... Places that don't have any actual culture and they're all Instagrammable, blah, blah blah blah. Yeah, I personally don't care either way. Like, I'm not someone who gets like really upset about these kind of things, uh, and I don't hang out in all their establishments either. I'm I don't really have much of a dog in the fight, apart from I might drink in a couple of these places. Sorry if that upsets you. However, I don't like Fontaine's DC, as noted. Well, and I also don't agree with the idea of Press Up decided to form a band. And have them... What? You lost me, mate. Sorry. It's
4: it's a reach. It's following that tread of um, Fontaine's DC maybe, you know, over-egging the Dublinese a little bit to, uh, you know, quite an extreme place. Um, I don't even know how they would be controlling the narrative. Surely what they're doing is rallying people to want more authentic stuff rather than quelling discontent, They're right?
3: just a pretentious fucking bim band. I mean, like, the idea that there's some kind of weird conspiracy here. But
4: how could you even plan, like, how could you ensure that they got to a level of success that this even made any difference? And what difference could it possibly even make to the, you know, collection of... I don't know former Oasis fans to see them as the like great white hope of rock and roll.
3: I think we're we're definitely baffled by you know it going as big as it has to whatever degree that you 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 know they, I think they had a massive sold out show in London during the week. They've obviously got a lot of American press for some reason. Everyone's kind of drinking the Joycean Kool Aid. Uh, yeah. Ultimately, I think that they're good musicians. I can't get past their the vocals. Good life. I yeah. don't like the album. I will give their second album a go. I'm not really impressed by them that much. Um, uh, You know, whatever. Like, I I, I feel like we've talked too much about them at this stage. I I, I think, like, more at fault here are, like, music critics who are bored and are just easily won over by this thing. And they think it's time to, like, rally behind the band. I don't think there actually is any fucking conspiracy. I think some people are just, like, have, for whatever reason, taken this band to their fucking bosom and have decided to overplay it so hard that it
4: becomes genuinely embarrassing well, it's, it's a nostalgia trip completely, right? Like when we talked about the album before, and I've my major problem with it was that like it's totally competent they're a good band at like what they do, but all of their songs and riffs reminded me of kind of classic rock and roll stuff. So I assume the audience is just like, yeah, this is real music, this is what we're getting back to, this is like a shot in the arm for rock and roll rock and roll is dead. It's over. We've moved on. I agree with
3: that. But these are pretentious smoking area boys who like poetry and like rollies and tweed jackets that apparently have classic works literature spilling out of the pockets of them at all times. And a singer who has tried to be a different kind of a singer in different kind of bands. Uh, I've heard other work that he's done and some of it sound like Two Door Cinema Club, some of it sound like he was an emo band. and now this I, is I, for I, I will
4: him. say that, that to me is that's, that's very fine though that's to fine. me. Right? I don't I like, don't
0: you know, people care. people I back don't in care. the day
4: used to talk about the Clash and how they were middle class and Joe Strummer yeah, wasn't I actually I don't, a I don't man. care. Like, sure, no, no, like, no, no, like if, if
3: they're rich if they're rich kids with like I, I don't I don't give a fuck about the authenticity thing. Yeah. It doesn't bother me. However, if you're going to tell me it's this kind of, you know, bedraggled authenticity thing and I'm like, well actually and may look over there. Still, that doesn't come into it. But I would say that that's more of a calculated cynicism than the idea that a fucking <laughs> it's a, <psy-op>. a fucking <laughs> developer was like, okay, so we've got like the hotels and we've got some, you know, kind of we, we got the bars and the restaurants. Well, do you want to start a band? Let's see how that goes. Like what?
4: No? Also, so odd. Also, this I kind of love that it exists as a conspiracy. This though. piece,
3: though, it's it's overwritten uh, like crazy. Like, there's no need for it to be as long as it is. It takes way too long to get to the fucking point.
4: Yeah, the comparisons to the likes of Codeline, the script, and the Coronas during the recession era um, don't really make sense either. It's just, yeah, it's quite lengthy and, yeah, not great. Do you think it's in bad taste to pitch The Corona's Guide to the Coronavirus? <laughs> No, not at all. You have to laugh, don't you? And the Kronos aren't really up to us, are they? They announced their film festival for this year, which... Oh, shit, sorry. Presumably. (laughs) Oh, my God. Take it all back. They're going to want to We're making a lot of enemies through this podcast. And a lot of friends. We're not making enemies, because you may
3: recall last week on the show, I mentioned that Code are playing eight nights in the Olympia Theatre, and I wasn't going to go.
4: Oh, yeah, and they were daring you to do it. They responded to me on Twitter Twitter and
3: said, dare you. And I was like... No.
4: (laughs) No. You initially said, okay, I'll do it. I was... Q-concerned messages from your friends <laughs> first, <saying laughs> first of all I respect
3: them uh, replying like that and then yes you I respect was, them in
4: general don't I, you?
3: I have no problem with Codeline at all nice I've said, said it a million
4: times they seem like they've done a lot for you other lo- you love that song all I want it's a good song adore that song. I'm putting a lot of words in my mouth here yeah. today Craig it's going to be in your top 5 I'm pretty, Motivational, su- I'm
3: pretty sure I was on like point number 6 at approximately 6pm on the Friday you know aforementioned fucking it's like the start of a
4: Riptide movement <laughs> I got, I and then I got
3: that tweet and I quote it you and I went well I guess it's on and block apples and yeah some people thought i was being very serious and sent me some messages being like you can't do this and i'm like don't worry i'm not i'm not doing it it's fine
4: but you did say maybe i'll go
3: to one of them i I, fucking yeah
4: i asked you a couple of weeks ago how many dates it would take and you said 31. 31 yeah yeah so code line over to you Yeah <laughs> Your move guys
3: yeah, Fair enough Okay
4: <laughs> 31 consecutive nights and I'm in Will we move on to the album review section yes. of this podcast yeah, before we yeah, 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 yeah. head off into the night Um. Okay So let's have a listen to Soccer Mommy It's their return with the album Colour Theory and this is Circle the Drain So yeah, that was Soccer Mommy with Circle the Drain, um, their US indie outfit. That's really, I guess, well, up until this point, being a musical vehicle for Sophie Allison, uh, who's an artist out of Nashville, Um what will we say about her background? She studied music in NYU before um, her success with kind of band camp releases got in the way. Uh, she released a very accomplished um, debut in 2018, Clean, um, which had some great kind of alt indie pop uh, gems on that. And then she's just been on the road kind of ever since, um, you know, in the interim support slots for a rake of artists that probably tell you a lot about how she sounds, um, like Stephen Malkmus, Mitski, Jay Sum, Phoebe Bridgers, um, Casey Musgraves as well, um, that kind of country thing coming in. The shows have been getting bigger and bigger, Wilco, Vampire Weekend, and um, recently she um, played a show for Bernie Sanders himself. So this album, of course, is um, a tree LP concept record about the fall of capitalism. Um, What did you make of it, Dave? It is not, by the way. Yeah,
3: first of all, by the way, you were saying before we swan off into the night, we still have the top five. Top five, five. <laughs> that's the big
4: one, yeah, yeah. That's that's what I, I meant, like. all oh, right, yeah, okay. swan I into thought you were the like, night, we'll, that is the
3: top five. We'll do the album review and then we're out the door. Yeah, um, yeah so Soccer Mommy or Football Mother, as my housemate Richard Chambers referred to her, Association Football Mother. I thought, yeah, that's, that's even better, you've improved on it. Uh, it's, it's a good record, Craig. <laughs> Seven out of ten. No, um... <laughs> Yeah, like, it's it's very samey, uh, but I think that works in its favour. She has talked about being influenced by the likes of Natalie Imbruglia and Avril Lavigne and Sheryl Crow. I think you can hear that on this fairly plainly. Um, she is very much part of this kind of, I suppose, new school of singer-songwriter-bedroom-pop type people like yeah. Mitski and
4: Hatchie, Claro... Um, Angel Olsen Yeah, for sure um, And Sharon okay. Van Etten I maybe kicked it off It's been going for about Five or six Snail years Snail Mail as well Yeah, of course um, And
3: in the case of All of those artists um, Quality control is fairly high uh, I think you can't really Kind of shirk Unless your personality is there There is an appetite For this kind of Angsty Almost apathetic Kind of Resigned delivery But it doesn't feel Too forced to me This record is hard To differentiate It's not very adventurous But that's kind of Its charm I liked it quite a bit. I also struggle with it because I'm having a shit week. But that's not her fault now, is it?
4: Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's It's interesting you talk about that scene, which I think Pitchfork has really been rallying behind, um, which makes sense to me because they were the musical outlet that picked, you know, Gold Towns by Pavement as the greatest song of the 90s. So it's very much, uh, you know, in that lineage, isn't it? Like they're doing stuff... It's as if these musicians just um, didn't realize new metal exists, uh, didn't realize that hip hop had become the main genre. It's like you're skipping over quite a lot of stuff and coming straight from like Hole and Bush and things like that. Did not expect you to mount a sudden defense of new <laughs> metal, but here we are. <laughs> um, I really enjoy it, but it is, it is a bit redundant at times. Um, I think she is quite a singular writer. I think, in terms of, like I as I said, I very much liked the first album. It had, you know, a lot of promise. It's that irritating term we use so often with debuts, but it really did. Um, it was quite fully formed. There was some kind of really um, refreshing imagery used. Really, you know, it was just bags of hooks. Um, this time around, I think it's a slightly more difficult listen, um, relatively speaking. In terms of that, like, difficult second album syndrome thing, I think there's a couple of obstacles in her way this time around. So, as we were saying, you know, it's it's kind of all her. This time around, though, she's brought her live band more on board. And I don't know if you know much about, the you know, the people that generally play with her, but it's been this running conversation online whenever they do sessions on the likes of KEXP or, you know, different stations around the US, that the band, and in particular the guitarist, who I believe is her boyfriend, add very little to her songs Uh, um, the guitarist in particular has come in for a lot of stick just by being quite atonal seeming like he's just in a weird jam and he's not like you know in line with what she's doing whatsoever a lot of kind of comments just being like you know supporter from home guy get out of here uh, which I think is slightly rough. Um, <laughs> although I will say that one that KXP session in particular is a tough listen, considering how like palatable her songs are on record. So I think what happens here is she's brought the band on board, and she's working with the same producer as first time around. And what they've done is um, essentially dialed down a lot of maybe his eccentricities. Um, you know, flattened out some of the bits and bobs and brought them into safe territory. So I don't think what they're doing sabotage her at all, but I think they make her sound slightly samey. It's a less connective listen uh, compared to the unvarnished nature of the first record. She kind of muddles through it. It, it, It's okay. Another problem with this record might be uh, the fact she's tackled it as a concept album. So the color theory is um, she's essentially dealing with life on the road and the slightly more serious, um, you know, fact that her mom was terminally ill. And really come to grips with that and she talks about having assigning different colors to different songs and the way it kind of transitions from quite upbeat stuff in the first third to dealing with the strangeness of um just you know her life and trying to deal with kind of being away from her loved one uh, yellow is the color of her eyes which i think is the centerpiece of the entire record and it's you know the best song on it deals with that quite well and then fading into kind of greyness and slower paced songs which I think is as a concept it's a bit of a recipe potentially for disaster right like let's start with upbeat songs then go a bit weird then go quite dreary and hopeless but I think actually it pays off because I think the opening trio of songs are very much business as usual I was like okay I don't know if she's going to progress whatsoever when we get to that middle section and she's trying things they're not always coming off but I think her artistic vision is in the right place, and yeah, then the back end is probably the strongest stuff. So I, I think this is an experiment for her, but and she doesn't quite match, you know, the hooks of the first record. But I think it will be a nice stepping stone for her kind of future career.
3: It's weird. Uh, I think you've given a fairly perfect summary there, and yet I think I. Definitely enjoyed this more than you did. I, I would definitely agree really? as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I maybe I, I, my description I probably sounded unnecessarily very, harsh. There's there is problem Like with it's it. very very linear. It's a linear record. Yeah. There's not a lot of uh, exploration. Really, I suppose that's sort of perhaps personal wanderings. And I do agree that Yellow is the color of her eyes is easily stand a track on here. It's a bit of a masterpiece. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I, I find myself being like, well, what are the demands of bedroom pop in this kind of style? I mean, do we want? I do think that the kind of remove, is that the word? You know, like, I mean, like, that you kind of have with regards to how you put these uh, songs out into the world is kind of part of it. Like, I mean, uh, if Julian Casablanca can get away with being a bit detached, why can't this kind of new wave of singer-songwriters, predominantly female? Not that I give a fuck about the gender, uh, you know, like, whatever. That's not a genre, of course. And, you know, I feel like I'm being educated by people who are fucking 10, 15 years younger than me when it comes to being fully formed, uh, like on, on one or yeah. two albums, in having been quite prolific as well, um, yeah. Like I, I didn't need this to be any really anything more than it was. Maybe I'm letting it away with stuff, but ultimately, I, I think she's charming. I think that the songs are well written. I think that the it's a road, it's a fairly straight line. I think the Cheryl Crow comparison makes a lot of sense. Uh, as someone who I, I've always kind of enjoyed, if, if I was never all that crazily bowled over by, mm-hmm. I think ultimately, if, if, if something is kind of put in a decent package. And doesn't it say it's welcome, I'm maybe impressionable that way. Uh, I didn't need this to be a lot more than what it is. and I think what it is is quite well put together. Didn't rock my fucking world, but I liked it.
2: Yeah,
4: and as I say, it really comes into its own, I think, in the second half, um, which bodes well for the future. Now, like, I think she's a lot of talent and a lot of nails I, I just felt, I was kind of wary coming into this after First Record had so many kind of really interesting gems, but it's kind of a formula that... Do you just stick to trying to, like, write hooks, uh, getting, you know, enjoyable choruses in and doing quite, like, the thing with a lot of this music in this genre is it's quite bare bones, like, bar chordy stuff. There's not really much in the way of musical innovation. I feel like you can get quite boxed in, in that bedroom aesthetic. And I feel like she's climbing out of that now a part of that has been her attempt to bring in the live band i don't know if that is working but i think in future if she collaborates with other people i'm not trying sure to break up the band but i think she sounds sees like you to break up the band and her happy relationship that she has <laughs> break with. up your boyfriend yeah um but <laughs> she no she's she's a real singular talent i think um but a lot of the trappings of the aesthetic She's in, will probably hold her back unless she kind of strives. And she strives here. Yellow's the color of her eyes is like the way forward. It's a real calling card. More of that, please. I'd give this a six.
3: I'd give it a 6.5, Craig. Oh, so I would. Nice.
4: Okay, let's move on to our top
3: five. So, top five songs that make you feel motivational and, you know, 10 feet tall and yada, yada, yada. So, we don't know. Each other's lists. Uh, we should mention that you know our influence continues. Uh, we we did top five Bond themes a couple weeks ago, and now that film has been completely fucking derailed. Yeah. And um, we did our top five worst celebrity songs last week, and your pick of Billy Bob Thornton and the Boxmasters has manifested. A, a few a few listeners of the show noticed this, Craig.
4: He's coming to town. He's bringing the Boxmasters. <laughs> Can we get him on the pod?
3: <laughs> oh fuck. I didn't even, I, I, all I thought was go to the show.
4: Can we get him on the podcast? I think there's slim slim to none chance <laughs> considering um, his frosty uh, exchange with CBC, which we talked about all those years ago. I would be more than
3: happy if we could get, like, if he stormed out of the studio. <laughs> we should ask him
4: something. I that, think he'd storm into the studio if you listened to that episode. What if you asked him. <laughs> about the Angelina song? No, no, no,
3: no. If you found some questions that were asked to Tom Petty. <laughs> and just threw those questions at him, and then he if he would you, love it, I know. And then if he's like, "Would you ask that?" I'd be like, "Well, actually, mate, actually, I think have... you'll find."
4: Oh, would you go to the show?
3: I think it would be really shit.
4: Yeah, it would be really shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I think not in a fun way.
3: No, I think it would just be kind of off. Is it the Academy, is it? Yeah. What is with the Academy? I'm pretty sure that's where Keeper Sutherland played. If it wasn't last weekend, it was definitely
4: before. This. Anytime I walk past the Academy. David Duchovny
3: has played there, I think. <laughs> yeah. Tim Robbins, maybe?
4: Anytime I walk past the Academy, no matter what time of day it is, there's always at least 70 teenagers queuing outside. And I don't know what they're queuing for, ever. There's always different names of, like I guess, acts up outside. Unless they're showing yeah, like, that's movies venues, in
3: there. That's how venues work, right? Have you <laughs>
4: heard of any of them? And they've got huge crowds gathering at like 11 in the morning. What is happening oh, at bands the Academy? Like,
3: yeah, bands like park. Yes, all yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, all right, will we get into the top five? We yeah. need a bit of motivation. Well, hang on, hang on, hang on. So right. listen, I mean, like, I, we don't we don't know each other's list here. We don't. And I think there's going to be crossover. So we could end up in a situation where I'm like, well, that's my number three, but I, we're, gonna, we're gonna. Well, have not to, only do
4: you think it, you're demanding it. Not demanding. I've
3: <laughs> predicted it. I've said that I will shut down this podcast forever if there aren't two out
4: of the five crossovers. That's and a
3: big. It could be, and I, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to work. So well,
4: I, I very much think that will not be the case. This was a struggle. This list, right? Because there's to dozens get it down and to dozens five, of songs. Yeah, it's really tough. Possible. Yeah. This did nothing for my motivation levels in the end because i started completely doubting myself i'm not sure of the top five whatsoever i feel worse about myself now let's crack on
3: Was my number five that's adam's song by blink 182 so i mean not a traditional you know happy-go-lucky song i suppose no
4: like there's melancholy in there it's Tons. very nostalgic yeah
3: big time um i found myself like i say i don't want, i don't want to be the guy who's like oh man i had a tough week because i feel like i said a lot on the show but it really fucking has been and i found myself listening to adam's song by blink 182 quite a bit it's a song i've got tremendous respect for it they are a band that were incredibly important to me at a young age when I was a teenager and my friends uh, who I kind of fell in with in secondary school I remember being in a shed in Drada like a practice space and a couple of my friends in particular basically clearly wanted to be Blink-182 you know they had the guitars they had the look they eventually became like a punk band in their own right and it was a, a sense of idolization was there and it was kind of during a formative time for me to get into music anyway and I found myself just among these people and not feeling cool enough and Uh, Because of my own self-esteem issues, you know, like they were very welcoming people and it was actually I look back on it now with a lot of fondness. Um, blink two were an act that I would have cradled, I think, uh, to myself quite closely, even though, you know, these days... I don't really listen to the new stuff, and I've grown up, and maybe they haven't. And yeah, you know, this it,
4: it must be weird for them being probably approaching their fifties and playing some of those quite puerile and juvenile songs. That one obviously isn't, but a lot of their kind of bigger hits were. It yeah, weird stand, doing festivals. Well, and this song, those songs.
3: this song is sandwiched between you know two of their big breakout hits. What's my age again? and yeah, small yeah. things, and it's 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 almost tonally askew, but. In a weird Blink-22 way, it kind of makes sense. I mean, this is a song that is about suicide. Um, the apocryphal kind of story associated with it is that it's about a bit of fan, like a direct inspiration, but that's actually not the case, I believe. Uh, Mark Hopp mostly wrote it about wanting to get off the road while touring and being very, very lonely and wanting to get home. But he realized when he would get home that he didn't have a relationship and he didn't have the things that his other bandmates did. So it's kind of sad, but there's just something... Wonderful in its construction, um, the arrangement like I, I think is just a, a stoner. Like when those kind of big booming bass drum kind of tom drums come in to elevate the track, as his imperfect voice, his delicate voice, kind of rises. He's not the greatest singer in the world. He's the he's the Bernard Sumner of I guess American <laughs> pop punk, and. There's just incredible observations. It feels very real. Um, it feels like, a, like a, a young man who's struggling and uh, potentially tipping over the edge. That line in particular about, please tell mom, this is not her fault, punches me in the throat every single time. I, I, how I, does this
4: motivate you? It's my only thing. Well, it's a great song. Yeah, well, this is
3: the thing. I mean, like I think ultimately the fact is that there's a strange light at the end of the tunnel here and I, I, it, there's an intrinsic thing and I don't know how applicable it is on a universal level. I feel like some people listening might, understand straight away and it does I, I i take kind of a whether it's a coded message or whether it's something else i don't, or maybe it's because like it's a such a formative part of my life but to me it's an invitation to stay yeah and yeah. I, I there's times when i absolutely need that i wrote a piece on medium during the week which i've never done before and it's like a you know free to publish blog site that people use um, and I just found myself listening to the song on repeat and crying and I was just like okay I need to I need to spill something out of me and I don't know if it was good or bad or indifferent but I just thought about it and I was like in the kind of typical Dave Hanrede has converged tattoos and thinks that Jane Doe is the most beautiful song of all time contradictory, aggressive-y way, uh, this song makes perfect sense for me. And it does make me want to stay. It does make me want to live. It does make me want to, to hang around. And Fuck, it doesn't get
4: better than that, then. If music can do that. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty powerful. I think there's something in the water at the moment where Blink-1-2... I really hope
3: you've got a novelty song lined up next. <laughs> <laughs> where Blink,
4: where Blink-1-2 are getting like huge amounts of kudos for like a lot of their early stuff. Just, just today, um, my traffic manager in work, uh, Rob Carberry, who is... Kind of a bit obsessed with the show. I'm not even sure if he listens to it, but he's always like asking about production and what's on a running order. But he was just talking, you know, in rhapsodic terms about early Blink-182 this morning. He was also introduced to Soccer Mommy when he asked what album we were doing this week. And he was like, this is brilliant. This is the artist that's going to get me over, guess who? Not his wife or anything. His wife, he's still very much in love with his wife and family. I don't want to guess. Ryan Adams Oh wow He is a Ryan Adams absolute huge stan and he's crestfallen because he's like yeah what a scumbag now but he will literally mention I'd say maybe three times a week how Live at Carnegie Hall by Ryan Adams is the greatest album of all time and he's no longer morally allowed to listen to it. Hang on. And Soccer Mommy is the first artist that's brought him joy since it happened, which was like six months ago. Can we just go back real quick on one thing? This man is obsessed with this show but doesn't listen to the show. He he was, is rooting for the show. He's constantly asking about... He's listened to a few episodes but he thinks it needs to be shorter and I said, I don't think we could do that, Rob. Oh, okay. Um, but he, yeah, he. I got really hyped for a second. There. <laughs> he likes. I what, guess he's not going to hear this. So it's he's fine. A, he's big into physics. He listens to a lot of physics podcasts. So I don't know. Hopefully, this will rope him in when I tell him he gets a shout out. Will we go on to my number five? Let's do it. Really? Brianstorm. <laughs> really? possibly the worst <laughs> song title of all time by Arctic Monkeys. If I had a thought that you would have picked anything by Arctic Monkeys, first
3: of all, I, I thought you might have gone Miracle Aligner from The Shadow Puppets or maybe like... Alex th- Turner's
4: way of writing those songs. There's a lot that were floating around the kind of the f- top few dozen, yeah. "Brainstorm" is ridiculous. It's also quite early on Arctic Monkeys, but I think... Why it works for me as a motivational song is, with this list, I decided to go pure gut level, not even serotonin hit, but like adrenaline hit, I think. And the pummeling drums, um, it's just absolutely bludgeoning. What he's doing with the lyrics where he's talking, it's basically an ode to, I think it was a dude that worked... For their early label, and he was like a total hipster in like 2007. So he'd wear like a tie with a t shirt, which is something not even I did back then. So it's kind of ripping the piss out of him affectionately, whilst also aggrandizing him to like a huge degree. And I think that tongue in cheek thing he does works really well to just like, if you need some motivation, yes, you've got these big riffs and these pummeling drums and this high energy, but also you've enough jokes to take you out of the fucking serious headspace that you might be in. Do you know what I mean? A bit of levity always helps. I think it's it's a, no,
3: listen, it's a belter. Uh, belter. You know, not not to go like for like and also, you know, just be like, well, if it was me, Craig. But I guess my kind of gut reaction to this is I'd be like, oh, a certain romance every day of the week, that ending. Or even like, uh, Fatales in San Francisco the ending of that one where like I, I, I guess when I'm, in a broader perspective I agree with you that like when the Arctic Monkeys were in this vein because obviously they've gone to a much yeah. more prog rock place now that I know you still approve
4: of yeah. I love it and I will say actually Tranquility Base uh, Hotel and Casino is also a very good motivational album because I think the rhythm section is so good like they do these kind of slittery bass lines that just sound like weird 60s 70s Serge Gainsbourg things that just make you feel cool as fuck yeah, so, yeah, that they, is a record work.
3: that every time I go back to it, I like a little bit more, but I don't like it anywhere near as much as I want to. But it does have some standouts. But they have gone into that kind of lounge rock. He's almost a solo artist, kind of yeah. exploring the 70s side of his drug-addle brain, allegedly.
1: <laughs> However, allegedly.
3: back in the day when songs like this were coming out, and I remember them well. I remember like working in vision. I remember this was like, you know, like... Music channels on your television yeah. were, were as important as magazines, and YouTube was still kind of just starting, and, you know, it was it, it was a slightly different time. You're on the cusp of that changeover. CDs were still being fucking bought, you know? But there was the sense that these guys could do anything and, and could dominate the world, and people were so into this. People yeah. were so into fast-paced British indie. And, you know, V Festival and all was kind of like, it was a really, it was a, <laughs> it was a weird fucking mid-2000s kind of hodgepodge thing. The Arctic Monkeys, very briefly, were like the biggest fucking thing in music.
4: It was yes, yeah. I mean, you could, they're probably still, except for maybe the 1975 having a moment, I'd argue they're the biggest British band, Arctic Monkeys, right? Probably still, no? Potentially. Yeah. I think the last, last album did a lot to kind of revive a lot of the, like the kind of the fan base that had checked out when they started hanging out in like the desert with Josh Holm. um, But then, of course, the concept album about the hotel and casino on the moon hasn't really done much for the <laughs> real tunes, proper haircuts. They've all gone to Fontaine's DC.
3: It was weird. Last thing I'll say on this, it was weird at that gig, at that like, Tranquility Base Hotel tour, yeah. when they had the set and all that kind of stuff, when they broke out this song. It felt so not Part of it, yeah, but they had to do it for the crowd, and the crowd, like,
4: yay! It's so it just comes racing out of the traps. Good pre drinking song as well, back in the day, so a lot of fun memories. Um, I don't really do pre drinks anymore <laughs> because I have money, <laughs> <laughs> it work in advertising, yeah. Let's have your number four. All right, here it is.
3: You surprise, Craig. It's territory
4: by the Blaze. Yeah, I knew that was gonna be here. Um, <laughs> Did you and a good choice. <laughs> I was talking about like kind of slithering French bass lines making you feel cool. And like I just think the French in general kind of imbue that sense of thing on the listener. Um yeah, this is really euphoric, isn't it? I mean this was your was this your favourite track of last year? This was twenty seventeen.
3: Was it that one?
4: Yeah. What? It was, this song came out what? in 20- 20... last year.
3: It's three years this ago. Song, I'm losing my mind. This song came out in 2017, Greg. Oh my God. I'm going to triple check that because I'm 99% No,
4: no you're right because definitely the, horror the album wasn't, wasn't me around by. last year. Yeah. And this came out ahead of the album, so it would have been 2018, 2017. Yeah, it makes
3: sense. The horror is something to remember me by. I Another think. Song the year. Wolf Alice, Don't sleep the Kisses. They were like my three songs of the year and they were in like this oh three horse race. <laughs> yeah, But and like it really feels unfortunately like the blades the kind of peaked here as well this was an unbelievable audio visual mix like an incredible short film i remember seeing people on twitter like jape and others bantam just being like like neither like all being like stop what you're doing and watch this and the more i saw that the more i saw like the ident clip of the guy doing the push-up i was like what the fuck is this i was like lads would you just shut the fuck up this hype thing yeah yeah whatever threw it on and was like okay well that was the greatest thing i've ever seen Oh, um, unbelievable! And like they haven't matched it. They were two, uh, I guess you know, kind of visual artists who became musicians somewhere along the way, and yeah. tons of hype and brought out a record there called Dance All About a year and a half ago, and it wasn't great. Saw them live, had a great time. Uh, they, I, I still am fascinated by them. They actually brought out a song a month ago, and Dahi and I, who were so obsessed with the Blaze, yeah. a full week went by, and I was like, did you know that the Blaze put out a song last week? then we listen to it i not hear that at all really really bad octavians on Jeepers. it it's not good yeah it's a shame it feels like like a proper icarus moment and but let's talk about this song because you know it's a dancy house song that's best way i can describe this kind of music but fuck me uh yeah the, the, the with the without the video it totally works as well but with the video it's a case of just stop what you're doing like don't no. No one can can break through. Could, your house could be on fire, and you're watching yeah, the whole yeah, thing. Yeah. It there's so much in there. There's so much about you know, like it, it, like in, in terms of subtext about like masculinity. You know, it's the big thing. <laughs> I remember uh, Dave Higgins when I was supposed to interview the. That's Blades, in brainstorm as well. <laughs> <laughs> I was supposed to interview the blaze electrocuted and it, it didn't happen. But <laughs> I remember Dave Higgins was like, "You should walk up to them, and be like, so." masculinity and to see what they say <laughs> that's uh, why he's
4: the best in the business <laughs> I guess this song has
3: it just makes me fucking feel something it, 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 yeah. it runs through my system it's like pouring uh, fucking life itself into my body um, I, I was
4: going to say I thought on with these lists there might be a kind of anti-recency bias thing going on where like spoiler alert like pushes if you know you know didn't make it for me even though it's my one of my most listened to songs the last year or two just because I feel like we've talked about it quite no- enough but yeah, that had such an impact on you that it kind of wipes away so many other mot- motivational songs over decades of living. This is, like, your go- one of your go-tos now. It's unbelievable. Well, it's
3: actually unbelievable. And, and, you know, I know some people are like, ah, oh, whatever, but, like, Jesus. Like, if you find songs like this that make you
4: feel this way, never fucking let them go. Nice. Okay, my number four... Um, this, I think, will be quite expected. I don't know. I'll see if, if, if this is one of your two. It probably won't be one of your two, but maybe the artist. Um, I will begin by reading a quote from said artist um, because this song is just one of many. To quote, go listen to all my music. It's the code to self-esteem if you're a fan of me you're not a fan of me you're a fan of yourself I know who this is you will believe in yourself oh my god I'm just the espresso I'm just the shot in the morning to get you going to make you believe you can overcome that situation that you're dealing with at the time I need
1: you right now I need right now I don't know if you get a man or not if you make plans or not
4: Hang on a second. That is Stronger, of course, from Mr. Kanye West, who I don't think we've mentioned at all this year. This is the show, if you're a newer listener, that used to have a regular feature called Craig on Kanye. We talked about him every week.
3: I got really excited there, Craig. And for some strange reason, I did not think this was Kanye West. I thought it was something else entirely. What did you think it was? I can't say because I thought it was oh. going to be one of our crossovers. Oh, And this is not a crossover. This is not on my list. Okay,
4: wow. Um, I think I picked this because there's been a few iterations of this kind of song um, throughout Kanye's catalogue. I feel this was, this, this is like the Ur motivational Kanye song. Lasty like, just set the scene for power. And I, there, you know, if fluctuates, power can be... Power isn't on my list. Okay? Last week on the show, you yeah.
3: used that phrase. Or, yeah, whatever. You've done it again. Yeah. And I, I want to use it for every time. i I'm not five. sure what it means.
4: Oh, it just means it's like the archetype. It's like the pr- prime example of this thing. It kind of sets out the moulds that you can use elsewhere.
3: I should also apologise because I just totally did the uh, thing that, that Dickhead does with Mark Kermode all the time when he uses so, the word I mean, and, I mean, and he he just stops like, no, stop, everything yeah, yeah. and derails
4: it. So now, <laughs> I'm just going to not talk for two minutes. So I think context is very important when it comes to this song. This was on, of course, the album Graduation, 2007. Was it 2007? It was two se- 2007. It was the lead single for the moment that he um, knocked 50 Cent off his perch, which was amazing, uh, out- outsold him. It was essentially the hip-hop Blurn Oasis I guess and I was very much obviously Kanye West camp It kind of changed hip hop that moment um, for the better I would say I don't know if it changed Kanye West for the better possibly but yeah this was like both the winning goal and the victory lap all tied up into one it has that Daft Punk sample so again French which is very important we're learning um, it is one of the prime examples of Kanye being ridiculously full of himself but also realising he's full of himself and uh, undercutting himself with jokes it brought in those fucking terrible shutter shades that were everywhere that year like it literally started that trend of like every shit nightclub you went to there were shutter shades but we forgive it that now that i think about it was i 19 that year (laughs) it's been a running thing on this show that i've said previously that i peaked at 19 I don't know if it was. No, I, I don't think I quite was. I was first 17. This was around the time I remember...
3: Very <laughs> See what happens when I don't talk for two minutes, by the way. This is a very, very like existential. Long <laughs> night of the soul. Uh, this was around the time when I really had a problem with Kanye West. I thought he was a dickhead. I didn't like him at all. I didn't like uh, wh- anything about him. And I remember around this time, a combination of this song in particular, and just a general kind of uh, presence, I suppose. I remember very clearly saying to someone... Uh, I still don't like him, but I concede that he has a I respect his moves. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can see that he has a superstar aura. I remember saying that. Yeah. And then this song kind of maybe helped as a bit of a bridge to get me into him a bit more. I also remember reading at the time, um, and I think again it was like a publication that like had been particularly down on him. It was like after his mother had died. I think he played a gig, like either the day of or the day after or the yeah. week of or something, and apparently in his performance. When he, kept, when, when he got to the I Need You Right Now parts, apparently it was like this unbelievable cathartic rush of emotion and him yeah, yeah. screaming it, demanding it off the audience, this unbelievably naked moment that could only happen because of a real life tragedy and everything and all these things coming together, better and worse. And I think for a lot of people, it, it changed something and it was a case of, wait a minute, there's more here than perhaps... People like me, people who'd have written him off on the surface. Of. I know before this, obviously, people were on his were on his side because he'd made great albums. So yeah. I I had dismissed, but I think it was a crossover moment um, in in both the kind of obvious here's a flashy song with half punk, but also a personality moment, a real life chapter. Uh, it's an amazing song. It's class.
4: Yeah, I I yeah, I think that that's a really interesting point because even when he's doing like bars about. Just flirting with women and stuff. You do reach a point with most of those kind of Kanye West songs where it just feels like everything hangs in the balance. Everything depends on this song and this expression, and he just pours everything he has in on, into it, and it, like it really comes true on this one. Also, actually, around this time was when I was working in a bar. <laughs> I was double jobbing for about a month. I was working in a, a really shit bar that's no longer there in Leekslup, a floor staff. <laughs> but i also had an office job i just dropped out of college i was holding down an office job and then at like five o'clock on the friday fucking coming back to leaks up and going straight into a shift then working all saturday sunday um just like serving absolute pillocks um actually you know i think about it? probably being like sexually assaulted as well because i had like floppy hair and there was just like you know, really unreconstructed men just being like, "Oh, love, come here, blah blah blah." And I was obviously gorgeous back then, getting into a good number of fights. Did I? No, I didn't. I don't think I punched any customers. But that was the kind of vibe. And I remember playing this song a lot. Great, what's happening? Getting, getting ready to go to that job, which I did. Only stuck out for a couple of weeks. And going, yeah, this is fine. It's cool. I've got it on. yeah, It's cool. Are you alright? I'm really good. Yeah, I, I thought, thought I was the you. one having a fucking mental breakdown <laughs> in this episode. Also,
3: you still have floppy hair.
4: Yeah. I and know. you're fucking beautiful, and no one should be allowed to do it. Oh, no. no well, I was just thinking of it. Yeah, that was around that period. It was really interesting. Um, These are but supposed it was, to be motivational sometimes. It was, it was <laughs> what have of, we done? It was the kind of bar where there would be like people being glassed on a Saturday. That would be a common occurrence where you'd be mopping up blood. Did you work in train spotting? <laughs> okay, hang on. I,
3: uh, yeah, also, real quick. Uh, is it better than Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger by Daft Punk?
4: For me it is, yeah. Yeah, it's total... I do love that song. Um, And I think the whole um, original always trumps um, the remake doesn't really count in this instance because, of course that song is so based on samples as well it's just you know you're a true looking glass. Um, the drums are insane he was such a perfectionist at this point in time when we've seen some of his more recent releases like he's, he agonised over just the drums on this song I think for months he went to like Timbaland who like might do the best drums in the business and was like can you sort out these drums and then he still wasn't happy that was like Kanye trying to be the biggest star in the world and he did it number three for me
2: number one
1: It was just a fling before now you're the one. See All I did was blink twice from my own me to my own.
3: The greatest middle eight in history, it's Tinchy Strider, featuring N-dubs and number one, please tell
4: me it's on your list. It's not on my list. What the
3: fuck? Are you serious?
4: It's on many of my lists, but for me, this song is... Hangover recovery song. It's not <laughs> motivational. Let's <laughs> okay, end of the podcast on. then, because I, I really, I bet the podcast on it, Craig. I was looking at this song as in I feel like this will feature for me in future episodes, so I, I let it off. But yeah. What an absolute tune. Unbelievable. End up responsible for one of the greatest pop songs this century. <laughs> Unbelievable. <has
3: produced. laughs> people
4: I think people don't know.
3: I think people don't know. No, they don't. It's what he slept on.
4: Um I it, presumably it was a massive hit of time. Was it did it actually get to number one? It must have. It's like so good it had to be a self fulfilling prophecy, right? Um. Yeah. It's it's absolutely deathless. <laughs> um, I just can't get over the audacity of this song. I can't get
3: over uh, the pace that it moves at. The fact that Dappy from N Dubs <laughs> is really good on it. Like, kills it. What the fuck? How does this? What dimension? This was, probably, was this 2007
4: as well? 2011, I think. No, it definitely wasn't because I remember listening to this on holiday in Spain. You're joking. Yeah, which would have been, what year did Michael Jackson die? Because we heard about it then. I think he died in 2009. <laughs> it's a, quite a reminiscence. It might, maybe it was a 2009 release. Hang on a second, that can't be right. You're looking it up, are you? Yeah.
3: There's some great radio here. <laughs> <laughs>
4: like, it's tell, not radio, it's an internet broadcast. Tell me more about this holiday. Um, it was in Salu. We ended up with uh, a 30-foot tr- tree running through the entirety of the apartment. Two thousand nine. It was called McFoliage. Um, two thousand and (laughs) nine. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I've seen McFoliage, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Great times. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus
3: Christ. Two thousand and nine, (laughs) yeah. Okay. So How yeah. did
4: you fall in love with
3: this song? I'm pretty sure it was... Did I introduce yes, it Yes. welcome, sir. Also, yeah, sorry. Topped the UK singles chart. Yeah. It became the first single entitled number one to peak at number one on any national singles chart in the world. there <laughs> <So> <laughs> you go. Course. No, you played this for me in the Hot Press office. Yeah. It was this either, got us
4: through a lot of Hot Press days It as really well, fucking had a, did. I had yeah. a second wind. It's astounding. My friend Zach calls this the wind song because he gets a second wind when he hears it. <laughs> <laughs> the middle eight. So good. Spoiler for when we do the top five middle eights. It's going to win. Like, <laughs> I Okay, I'll say this.
3: Devastated that it's not in your list. Happy that it's in mine. It's maybe the greatest song ever written.
4: Okay. Well, my list is about to get a little bit weird, right? So remember when I said earlier on that I had to go with my gut? I'm going to play a clip now, which isn't the song, but it might explain how motivational songs, you don't get to choose what motivates you, right? It can come from anywhere. You just have to roll with it. So, hey, you I'm gonna to play- give us
3: another chapter of your formative years here. No, I'm going to play really a little clip so far
4: of Nicholas Cage. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for doing this. Keep it real. Think slow. We should get through it just fine.
1: Hello, Ryder Donnie. Donnie, Hello, Ryder.
4: Yeah, so I guess friend of the show, Nicholas Cage, there and gone in sixty seconds, um, playing low rider rather than some up tempo jam to um, kick off their heist. Famously, um, all his young crew around him, looking on, being like, "What the hell is this?" Uh, do, do you know where I'm going with this, Dave? I think so. Okay, this is my number three. I'm too scared to guess.
2: Hang
3: on. What the fuck? Are you serious? This is not in your top (laughs)
1: five.
3: No fucking way! No, no, I'm
4: not having it. I'm not having it. No way. No. Explain. Immediately. So, I'm sure everyone knows that absolute jam. It is uh, Mr. Enrique Iglesias with Rhythm Divine. (laughs) What the fuck? He's a singer, he's a songwriter, composer, actor, record producer and model who, Dave, is widely regarded, his Wikipedia says, as the king of Latin pop. Alright, right. He just announced a tour with Ricky Martin. Oh my god, I'm fucking Now that is a motivational gig. I'll go, I'll easily go. Let's bloody go. Alright, so... (laughs) I agonised over this. If you want to go to At No Encore Show, there'll be an image up there somewhere of me head in hands when I realised the horrific truth that I had to go with my gut and put in this song at the instruction of my sister Martha who, when I talked to her about this list and I had ten songs in the running, she said, well, you have to put in Rhythm Divine. I said, what are you talking about? She said, you were obsessed with that song. It was all you listened to when you completed Super Mario Bros on the Nintendo. And I said, yeah, you're right. She had the receipt. She had video evidence of me <laughs> spending hours trying to finish. Do you remember the NES mini came back out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it from my dad because he loved it back in the day and we gave a it away. there, I was like, what? I was like, I was like in, the, in the 80s? I was like, what, <laughs> what is going on? Like, I decided I was going to finish this game. I never finished it when I was a kid. You're not much of a gamer. You play the odd game, but you're not Yeah, much. I used to be. I yeah. used to be back in the day, but... um. I Obviously, there was, there's a save function on the new one. I was like, no, I'm going old school. I'm not saving this. So it just took hours upon hours. And I realised <laughs> I'd been dipping into so some stupid. guilty pleasures. But we always say in the show, there's no such thing as guilty pleasures. Yeah, right? agreed, yeah. For some reason, this was scratching an itch. And then I realised that I couldn't complete this game. I couldn't get past certain worlds. I couldn't complete levels unless this song was playing. You can see the video footage as I absolutely kill the game while this is playing. I then beg for it to be put back on when I'm failing. This is an amazing song. I feel like this is my gift to the listener. If you haven't thought of Rhythm Divine in that way, I am putting aside my pride. I could have picked cool songs. I had Japan droid's uh, House of Heaven Built. I had M.I.A. I was like, I'll stick on an M.I.A. song. People were like, oh yeah, hipster boy knows what's up. Rhythm Divine
3: I can't believe I'm learning so much about you I've been friends with you for almost 10 years And I'm it's learning more about you in this fucking segment <laughs> Whereas I'm just being like Here's a class song, pal uh, I don't know, I, the Blink-182 thing Was quite a moving section to kick us off I probably should have held it back for number one But instead, here's my runner-up
4: I just wanted that to keep going. It's so good. Yeah, I mean, this is another one we really bonded over. She this is, quite a question. She is, is beautiful. beautiful, Andrew W.K. She is beautiful
3: by Andrew W.K. As Craig said, uh, as Craig has intimated, <laughs> I am, in fact, using up all of my middle eights. These are the two, between this and Tinty Strider, they are the two best middle eights in the world. Also, this isn't on your list, is it? No. And because, thus,
4: again, because this is on so many of my lists. The two is. songs I thought would easily well, cross those over. Those were the two. 100%. Once again, it's
3: back in the hot press <laughs> trenches, and it really was like World War One, guys. Yeah. Um, Sam Mendes couldn't possibly, you know, show you what it was really like, but work there, and you'll know. So essentially, this song is outrageous yeah. and audacious. I, I can <laughs> salacious. I, it actually, is pretty salacious. Do you want me to give you a Craig factoid and ruin the song Please for you? Please do, yeah, go. So on. if you go on to the genius entry for this song. Uh, in, you know, Andrew WK explains what it's about. Yeah. He says, I was in Los Angeles and I went to this party where there were a lot of people. There was one girl that I saw who made me stop talking and walking. All I could do was look and at partying. her. And <laughs> <laughs> no, partying. I never stopped that. <laughs> All I could do was look at her. She was small and round and sweet like a baby peach blossom and she looked proud and solid. But I was too afraid to talk to her.
4: must be from the 1600s. So... <laughs> 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 but I was afraid too afraid to
3: talk to her or say anything it made me angry later and I wrote those words to try to make me do better next time I ain't got nothing to lose gonna throw it away and talk to you in life all you have to lose is the chance to live more. Throw away all my fears and doubts and pride and worries and take a risk. No. Well, it's
4: okay, isn't it? I I know, It's not it? It's a bit <laughs> serial killer right? <laughs> the idea
3: of I got it's a angry afterwards? Like, at himself, not at her.
4: <laughs> I really hope him, so. He was frustrated with himself for not putting himself out there. There's a the vulnerability. there's an element of... I know, but like, don't ruin this. <laughs> I, anyway. I don't want to. I read it today and I was like, oh, this will be... Oh, no... Um, an astonishing song This is it, a very it's like a metal Beatles song It's me. a steamroller it, yeah. This is
3: a train of a song and We should
4: give a shout out like you know there was some glorious Hot Press uh, aspects and um, one of them was Stuart Clark, who's still there He was a massive Andrew WK fan as was David Keane who was in the art department They really bonded over I the, was
3: supposed to go see Andrew WK on a day where I think Hot Press randomly put me on a plane somewhere and I had a ticket to go to the gig Okay And like that makes it sound a lot more glamorous than it was I think it was a weird last minute press trip thing that someone else couldn't okay. go
4: once they're like, give it to Dave. And I was supposed to go to Andrew BK, so I didn't get to see him live. Oh, man. He's still out there partying hard, isn't he? Like, I see him on Twitter talking about how he's quite a motivational guy. Go- I think he's like a motivational speaker as well now. He is, yeah. This song is just
3: absolutely relentless from the word go, but it's when you get to that moment, the I ain't got nothing to lose but It's legitimate stop where you're doing and punch the air. It's un. Fucking believable! I can't get over the power of this song, and I'm not like a big Andrew WK guy. I remember the first time I would have seen him back in the day. Like, I think you know he comes out with Party Hard and crying, and I was
4: like, "Is this a joke?" I mean, I guess it is to a degree, but wasn't there a whole conspiracy theory around him as well that there was like loads of different Andrew WKs? He had, yes. it was initially hired as like he was an actor. I also actor. remember
3: of all things like the album cover for I Get Wet, which is a close-up of his face, and he's got a massive bloody nose. That was apparently banned in some places because they were like, "It's about cocaine overdose." Yeah, so, yeah, it was like, an overdose thing. Imagine yeah. that being. Band, it's pig's
4: no. blood, I believe, which is gross. Yeah,
3: tribute to Carrie. Unbelievable song.
4: Amazing song. Also an amazing song. This.
3: can I just ask yeah. when you were glassing people in League Slip was it to this song was it
4: <laughs> this has been evergreen so yeah it was with me in those days no one got glassed people were glassing each well sorry people did get glassed but I was not responsible uh, that is Anti-Up um, MOP obviously there you hear Buster Rhymes it's the remix uh, the original's great the remix is even better Remy Martin's on it Teflon's on it as well this had to be in there. It was nailed on in the top two, uh, along with the number one that was just immovable. Um, I was very, when I was putting this list together, it was very tempting to go full hip hop because I feel like hip hop is just custom built a lot of time for those motivational things. I strayed away from that. I tried to mix it up a little, but this is like, this is such a prime example of, it's absolutely contagious, right? From that opening, it's just, because it's it's not really about much. I believe the phrase anti-up came from like one of their mams used to just say it almost as like, like to break up sentence. Like she would just say, oh, so is, is your friend Dave coming over? Anti-up? Like it was just a weird phrase that one of their moms said and they were just like, yeah, anti-up, that can be applied to anything. So it's kind of nonsensical. Like when they're shouting, they're just like goading each other, just saying, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a total like posse cut. It means nothing. And it means everything. So it's like
3: us putting the word big in front of literally everything, as taught <laughs> to us by Brother Josh. Yeah, big Josh. Friend of the show. Uh, John Cena, I think, sampled the intro
4: here, like the big kind of shimmery, like, woo. Yeah. Woo! Like, I, I think if I had, if I became a wrestler music, yeah. and I was allowed glass people in the ring, this might be my team, John. You can't it's, glass <laughs> people, Craig. This is, I I, I don't know. I, it could be sugar glass. That could be my gimmick, right? I could be a disgruntled barman. Yeah, I can see it, yeah. What's your your finishing move, do you know? Oh, I don't know. Um, We'll have to come back to that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
3: The Last Orders, surely, (laughs) you know? I mean, come
4: on, it's right there.
3: (laughs) Modified Brain Buster, uh, followed by a 450 Splash. Your signature move <laughs> is the tab. Put them like, on the no, slate. Yeah. yeah, the slate. <laughs> yeah, sleet. yeah, absolutely. This, this, is a, this is a winner. Okay, also a winner. My number one most motivational song. And like, listen, this was a nightmare list to get down. It could change week on week, yeah, but, but does, these were these were five of. Do you want to give some shout-outs to tracks that didn't quite make it? Yeah, like, yeah uh, the rap by The Walkman didn't make it on mine.
4: I thought that was going to be there for you.
3: The um, best stroke song ever, as I always say, which pisses you off. Well, it's nowhere near the best stroke song ever. It clearly is.
4: What do you? What have you? Have you said that before? I say it a lot. I say it to wind you up all the time. Yeah, yeah. the best Stroke song that the Strokes never wrote. I was gonna. W- I was thinking you were gonna pick that, and I was gonna one up you with the house that haven't built, which I think is a better song. But in that and the ilk. rash. Yes. Are you out of your nope. fucking mind? The house that haven't built is incredible. <laughs> no, it's a great song, but <laughs> it's it, a conversation for a different day. It didn't make. it.
3: Uh, also in mine, uh, Mercury Summer by Fightstar. The, really good. An amazing, very underrated, maybe the almost underrated pop song of all time. I believe in anything by Wolf Parade in there for sure as well, in the honourable
4: mentions. Very nice. I was tempted to go um quite cheesy, like Marauder 80s. There's so many of those songs out there. Danger Zone was kind of there. Um Push It to the Limit was definitely there. I think that might have been the one that got closest. It's just so deathless. Particularly with that montage of Scarface where you've got like the fucking tiger chained up after the wedding. Uh, it's ridiculous I really could
3: list off a ton but I guess just two more real quick uh, Reborn by Kitsy Ghost the recent one which definitely has helped me out in my life 6am uh, Jalinda Scher by Corner Shop as well Yeah, particularly
4: is, with the Joe Strummer intro when he had his BBC World Service thing yeah, incredible, I could incredible go on scene. all day but yeah.
3: instead I'll play my number one here it is defended new metal earlier, Craig. Let's hear you talk about it now. That's American it wasn't Head. Much
4: it was of Sorry, yeah, American Head <laughs> American Head Charge,
3: <laughs> and the song is called Just So You Know, and I'm sure some people listening now are not surprised in the least. Uh, to me, it transcends that genre so hard that I'm like, it's such a shame that like it's not more respected, more renowned. The chorus alone is one of the greatest choruses, the most poetic, beautiful things I've ever heard in my entire life. I think it's an unbelievable construction. I think it's an incredibly well put together song. It's just fun. It's dark. It's Different. It manages to be it's a pop song. This is not like a rock song or a yeah, new song, sure, it's a pop yeah. song. But the vocals are fucking gorgeous.
4: Um well, it's a nice juxtaposition with what's going on behind the vocals. Yeah, look, they're right, clearly
3: so. influenced by Fate and the War, and I'm sure to the point I'm sure like people are like, Well, it's just bad Fate and the War, isn't it? But like, no, nah, I don't know. This song has stuck with me since I was a teenager. It has stuck with me all the way to adulthood and to uh I am a middle age now, is that is that is that a yeah. thing? Probably, yeah. Um, you know, I, I just it's 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 a thing I go to. Like when I talked about Adam's song when I wrote about it, I did mention I said um that I don't go to the song as a cure for a bad day. Uh, it's more of a salve and a handful of minutes that are there when I need them to be. And I, they understand me with no judgment, really, as part of the bargain. This would be a song I would go to on a bad day. This okay. song does have the ability to pull me out of the pit and makes me not want to glass people, Craig, but, you know, ball your fists. But in that kind of I can fight the day here, I can get through this. I can get through the rest of my days, through the rest of my life. I just think it's a fucking storming, unique, wonderful
4: piece of work, and I wish it got more respect than it does. Here, here. Okay. Uh, my number one, before I play it, um, any guesses? Is it La Ritonelle by Sebastian Tellier? No, because that is the greatest song I've ever I'm written so by sure romantic. It would be. It's, that's not a <laughs> motivational song. I it's thought of <laughs> it, yeah. Maybe. It is French, though, so it takes one of my boxes.
3: I'm not going to guess any anymore. That was the one I thought it would be.
4: All right. Well, hold on one second. I'd say it's hip hop, though. It is hip hop. Is a Dave, black skinhead? No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. But, Dave, we're going to pod to one song and one song only. Oh, my God, of
0: course. A, Let's go!
1: There's a,
3: there's a pattern here. Right. there's a pattern here Craig most of these songs were like got us through hot press <laughs> oh yeah and again
4: you will recall and what is the name of the song and be very careful uh, it, this is Ninjas in Paris as Katy Perry called it when she covered it controversially in 2012 but not as controversially as if she did it now I would say um, <laughs> but that is from Watch the Throne. obviously Kanye West again and Jay-Z back when they were friends do you
3: remember it took me a very long time to come around on this one
4: yeah yeah. you always come around in the end though don't you it has been like the story of our friendship It takes me a while, yeah. And this is, uh, you you know, you called your number one quite a beautiful thing. I don't know if this is a beautiful song. There's a kind of brute appeal to it. It's really simplistic. Like, I think that the production is um, Hit Boy, um, you know, working alongside Mike Dean and Kanye. But I think he brought the kind of central motif to them. And actually, that kind of bell loop was just from like a music library thing. He constructed around it. And it's pretty much just that until the big fucking explosion of white noise, which is just the culmination of, like, you know, all the tension that builds up, the kind of inevitability of, like, this almost TikTok thing. We are a bomb that is going to go off. Nothing, you know, nothing you can do will stop us. And then, you know, you're now watching The and they're definitely in their zone. But uh, musically, I can't quite pinpoint why this is so irresistible, why it's so insistent. It's just kind of like... They were on such a roll. Everything they touched at that point, like turned to gold. It was just, you know, if if, you know, if if the concept of flow state, um, became, you know, slightly human or you know, gained consciousness, it might write this song. It just works against all odds. Uh, It's a really nice kind of back backbone and template just for. The two lads to spit bars really, really well. Could you please tell me once again, but tell the listeners this time more than me, about the maybe the biggest gig regret of my life that I wasn't at, but you were there. Yeah, so Watch the Throne came to Tree Arena. And um, this was obviously during that tour where this song kind of took on a life of its own. Um, they played it in Paris nearly 20 times in a row, I think. The night in Dublin, I believe it was about 12 or 13, they just kept restarting it. This was like at the <laughs> very end of a crazy night where they were obviously doing, um, you know, songs from the Watch the Trone album, which were bangers in their own right, but then they had sections where you just get the greatest hits of Jay-Z as Kanye stood there just kind of going, isn't he great? Yeah, he's great. And then the greatest hits of Kanye West as Jay-Z was just like ad-libbing and being his hype man. And then this where they just, yeah, it was something else. It was Kanye's birthday, um, uh, Selena Murphy, who we used to work with in Hot Press, was reviewing the gig. I was just there as a fan, um, but I think in her review she was saying she just like I, I don't think she did sprint home, but she felt like sprinting home because of the the pure energy of that gig. I feel like it's the, the best g- gig I was ever at in my life. You've said this, yeah. You haven't wavered on that. No, no I feel. Still the best.
3: I feel like the crowd must have been molten. Surely. Oh my God,
4: yeah, yeah. It, like when you're twenty minutes into this song. You kind of want it to stop, but you also don't want it to stop. Like, I wasn't on drugs, but I felt very much like I was on I drugs. the tension of, like, it went and then being like, <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just sensational. Oh, the minute it kicks in, it's just, it works every time. This is my number one. I don't know if it'll ever change, to be quite honest. I think this is just my go-to. That's our top ten. Yeah. We got there in the end that was Uh, emotional it was was i feel more motivated just from the clips. i I feel better (laughs) i very much enjoyed your
3: list it was great no spoilers but you mean like it may have been apparent i really wasn't in a good headspace to start the show tonight to the point to the point where you were like do you want to do the show and i was like well i'm here now so i better so thanks for staying with me everybody and you as well craig oh no problem wouldn't be
4: anywhere else i don't say it often enough i love you love you too man legit um legit love you um uh, I adore you as a friend, as a journalist, you're fantastic, you're, you know, it's a, doing this every week is generally the highlight of my week. So thanks for listening, guys, but I'd still enjoy this even if we were just in the pub doing it, not recording. That, that's an idea. <laughs> just go to the pub. <laughs> Let's do that. Skip the choice. So
3: uh, <laughs> next week on the show, we'll be doing our top
4: five, something Irish related, I suppose, because it's yeah, be Paddy's Day. <laughs> National holiday, which are they is cancelled. So, Has it been cancelled? Uh, no, it's going ahead up till now, but then... Like the latest report cancelled by the way due to coronavirus it it didn't didn't
3: have sexual misconduct with another
4: holiday I suppose (laughs) yeah. Um, Maybe maybe it turns out that I actually peak with COVID-19. I'm fucking working (laughs) on Paddy's Day as well so like I was planning on staying indoors. And Paddy's Day is not a holiday that
3: I hold near and dear I like the day off Garbage, and to celebrate it <laughs> We'll do something Irish related Yeah, uh, we'll yeah,
4: we'll put our spin on it Yeah, we're thinking like kind of um, Slept on Irish classics Uncut that never gems were, Uncut say. gems, yeah. maybe But um, we'll see, that yeah. could change It could episode, If you have any suggestions,
3: hit us up <laughs> This episode of No Encore Get us on Twitter at No Encore Show and tell us things it Was engineered by our sonic architect Adam Shanahan is it Shanahan? Shanahan. <laughs> Shanahan. Uh, check out his music under the banner of My Fault. So also this week, I've been listening to Kids Ghost because I needed to for Go obvious to. reasons. And the new album from Code Orange, who are kind of the hip new metalcore band at the moment. They're on Roadrunner, yeah. endorsed by the likes of Slipknot, a lot of media attention. Uh, they've played uh, as part of WWE NXT and all that kind of stuff. And they're pretty good. Uh, The album's called Underneath. I've yet to really fully form an opinion on it, but it got a perfect score on Kerrang! A perfect score on Metal Hammer... Craig won't review it next week.
4: <laughs> I've already well, asked Karang and Metal Hammer are talking about it. What I've been listening to is new album from Real Estate, which is like the polar opposite. It's just like very soft, jangly, um, indie guitars, but it's lovely. The main thing they've also expanded their palette a little, um, there's since now, so check that out. Uh, I'm really enjoying the new Jarv Is song, um, House Music All Night Long, which is Jarvis Cocker's, um, new band. Um, the couple of releases from him and them so far have been really promising. Um, a bit, a bit. Jarv guy, so it's witty and urbane as you can imagine, and a bit of a, a bit of a kind of um, quiet banger. As is Rocha Murphy's Murphy's Law, which is her in like Grace Jones mode, which is excellent. How so has it taken her this
3: kids? long to come up with that song title? I know, right? Yeah. It feels bizarre <laughs> that would have been debut single <laughs> or the name of the project. So um yeah, I love it. Rocha Murphy always. She's class. She is. Uh,
4: I should also mention that 1975, kind of back in my rotational queue. Yeah, I've gone back to the last album actually a few times, and there's a couple of songs I like on that. I will cut them some slack. They do have a number of tunes from the previous album. Before that, I think somebody
3: else is one of the great modern love songs. It's it great. is phenomenal. very Blue Nile. Got to give credit to um, my partner in crime in that evening, Andrea Cleary of the Nile of Nine Podcast, who was there. Uh, someone who was kind of won around by that last album and then seeing them live, and she was having a good time. Um, they played a new song, right? And the new song was like about you know putting nudes on the internet because of course it is, right? And it's very like and like lyrics on the screen, and it's very like you know demanding nudes off someone. But as Andrea pointed out quite sagely, Matty Healy gets away with this by throwing in a "she said." <laughs> Apparently, he does this a lot. Yeah. Oh well, you know, to change the the, the perspective. Yeah, so
4: you can be really fucking creepy, but it's not creepy when we. Reviewed, if she's asking guys yeah. to do when it, when we reviewed the last that's album, that's his we had way of doing Zara yeah. Hedman um, on the show as well, and I think the two of us were united in being a bit worried about some of the lyrics. or certainly thinking there was a level of eh, other artists might not get away with that, which I think had passed you genuinely passed you by, and I guess passes a lot of people by. Um. I don't know, maybe maybe we're being slightly too critical of it. I would like to think there's a good dollop of irony and he's one of the good guys, but I have no faith in people anymore. So I don't know. That's fair.
3: Yeah. And on that note, we'll uh <laughs> I have no faith in We've got faith anymore. in you, listener though, to tell people about the show. Yeah. Please do that. Our Patreon is not ready yet because we both had a very busy week. Yeah. And yeah, listen, you know. Life's tough, guys. Stay safe out there. We love you, all. Uh, I will say that. At one stage when I went to um, the bar during nine seventy five gig, I looked at Twitter and like every second post was, another coronavirus case in our. I was like, for fuck's sake. And then you go back into the gig, right? And there's a point later on where Matty Healy is like, hey, everyone, could you just please, um, you know, kind of listen for the next five minutes? I mean, you know, you, you, you can talk, but, you know, just please don't shout stuff at me. You see, this is my problem with him. Uh, and that kind of thing. And he goes, um... He, I, I literally thought he was going to go. There's been a the second confirmed case of the coronavirus <laughs> in art, but no, he played the 1955. He played the, he played, he Greta, Sturm, the Greta Thunberg, Thunberg yeah. thing, and to be fair, unlike a picnic, at least people did shut up and kind of roared for it, which was kind of nice, even though it's so archly pretentious. But hang on, I forgot. I remember one thing. And I think you'll like this. Th- okay. This would be a nice way to close the show. Can you remember Electric Picnic when you did a live interview with a band once, and it didn't go that well?
4: Uh, yeah, the Charlatans. It was the only one that didn't go well in all my years. <laughs> <laughs> so there was an Ale Ale chant during 975.
3: Yeah. And Matty Healy was unimpressed and went, It's not a fucking Charlatan's gig. <laughs> shut up. And I was like, That's really funny. But then he was like, oh, I shouldn't have said it, shut up. Blah, blah. And I was like, No, 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 no. no. Own it, mate.
4: Yeah. There's probably a bit of um he holds man- he holds the
3: Charltons in, in contempt, contempt just like you do. <laughs> they
4: were very very nice after the bloody interview, which was like no of no use to me whatsoever. So yeah, I still like they gave me a rough ride. Um, there's probably a bit of like Mancunian rivalry there again. It's like Battle of the Lancaster Bands. I think obviously the 1975 probably still aren't taken seriously as a, like a rock band. But as I said earlier, rock and roll is dead. He was wearing a polo shirt with an Oasis embroider on it. <laughs> was there it. a lot of costume changes? He like wore, does he go? He, he doesn't a, go like nope, full. He wore a polo shirt.
3: with... <laughs> With An oasis embroider on it, and that was it. Oh, he looked really? like a dance player. There
4: was no like big David Byrne suit for
3: songs, you know, he no- put on the funny hat for one of the songs that, oh, yeah. that's part of the treadmill stuff. But overall, he looked like he'd just come from a game of five aside, basically. Oh, well, listen, the man's tolerated. It's, it's all about the music, Dave. Yeah, my name is Dave Henry.
4: My name is Greg. Stoddrick. This has been No
3: Encore. <laughs> there will be no Encore back next week. Bye.
0: This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.
1: The been thinking about McDonald's all day can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal.
2: There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's.
1: Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.